He texts me, he goes, I need you to bring every single putter you own. But I came out with seven putters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm carrying them over my shoulder, clanking around, and I got other clubs too. The locker ended up being a pro shop. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got my partner in crime, my other co-host, Mr. Matt Cermak with me. What's up, Ev? Oh, my God. Special, all in the family. You want to talk about saying talking. wow after a podcast? That's maybe the most fired up I've been on a podcast, maybe ever. In almost 200 <laughs> episodes, we're getting close. That was maybe the most fired up I've ever been. But before we talk about that, guys, if your game's off the rails, if you're sick of riding the struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course because if you can learn to smile through bad golf you can smile through anything the part train podcast unpacks the mental game with pj torpros best-selling authors ceos sports psychologists everyday golfers and top amateur golfers like today with the cermak brothers and right. more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track this episode of the part train like every episode of the part train is presented by roback active wear let me say this sir a lot of people on my Ryder cup trip were asking me hey I know you talked a lot about Roback. I know you talked a lot about Oars and Alps and talked about all of our sponsors. They're like, hey, I just wanted to ask you, are they legit as legit as you say, or are you just reading an ad? And I just want to make it very clear. I told this to every guy. We don't just read ads. Roback is maybe the best example of that. Okay. We wouldn't go really with anyone else to be the presenting sponsor of the show because they're that good. So anytime you hear us read quote, an ad about a partner, they're the best because we fully vetted and use them before they go on the show. So whatever you hear us say, just know that we put in the time and effort to make sure that we're picking something that you would love. We're not just trying to yeah. make a buck genuinely. And a hundred percent in the movement Roback has had the last couple of years is incredible. Quick story as it relates to the Butterfield Invitational that we're going to talk about. My brother's one. We were sitting at the bar the next day celebrating for lunch and Mike goes, Matt, dude, you're right. Roback was everywhere this week at the Butterfield Invitational. I'm like, it's legit, right? He goes, yeah. yeah. And we look over, guy sitting at the bar with his girlfriend, Roback shirt. <laughs> like, yeah. So like polos, it's that time of year. They're incredible. They're everywhere across golf and across the city. It's movement. Yeah, we've it's been movement. with them for years when they were smaller. They're not small anymore. But that doesn't mean that they're becoming a big conglomerate either. They feel small. But they're 100%. everywhere. So go to rollback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off. If you forget the code, go into the show notes. There's always a link there. It'll auto apply. Thank you to Roback as always for helping us and you guys ride the train every week. Uh, we really appreciate it. But let's get to this episode. I am so fired up because again, just to give people context, Cermak, you come from a golfing family in Chicago where all four brothers play D1 college. Today, we have your brother, your younger brother, Mike, your older brother, Joe, Mike's around a plus two. Joe's about a plus five. And they played in, I'm not going to give you too much context about what the Butterfield Invitational Tournament is and the significance of it and why it's such a special tournament and why everybody flies in around the country to play in it. Because Joe explains that at the beginning of the episode, but Joe played at Iowa State. Mike played at Toledo. This is their second time getting invited back to this tournament. They're in the championship flight. This is a huge deal that they won this tournament. Four days, 18-hole matches. Again, we'll get into it, but what an amazing episode because they walked us through 
the whole week. 40 mile power wins, tough conditions, never been in that scenario. When you're under the gun, when you're feeling pressure, when your opponents are making birdies, this episode is going to give you a little nugget that you can take with you on the course. And I was smiling ear to ear this entire <laughs> episode. What a special episode to have three out of the four Cermak brothers laying it all on the line. Just, oh my God, one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. If you don't stay to the end 100- of this episode, I don't even know if you're allowed to ride the train. A hundred percent. I'm so proud of my family, you know, Joe and Mike for winning this event. My mom and dad gave us the opportunity to play this game as kids, all four of us, Pat, Matt, Mike, Joe, we did it. We all played in college and it was just a great, really a great family moment this week. But yeah, to put this into context a little bit, you know, Joe and Mike are great players. They've played in U.S. juniors, U.S. Ams, U.S. mid-ams, Iowa State and Toledo. And I went out there and watched these guys this week. And this is just one of the biggest country club amateur tournaments in the country. High stakes, under the gun, four rounds, no shots. You guys will hear about that in the episode, a little bit about the format. What I love about Joe and Mike is the way they play the game and the way they approach the game. I love their intensity. I love their aggressive nature, but you know, not like we, we talk, we use it. We use this, not reckless, just very assertive. And they're both very different, which you guys will hear in the episode, very different with the routines. Yeah. What do they do? They double down on their own routine and they don't get away from it. Mike knows it works for Mike and Joe knows it works for Joe. And they respect that. And as for all you team golfers out there that play in scrambles and member guests, you can learn a lot from this. And guys, the story really builds about the week. So stay with us here. Very special for me. Ev. This is as good as it gets. Yeah. The stories, I mean, you guys are going to be on the edge of your seat. And just know this. It was not perfect. They were down two with three to play. Yeah. There's a lot of drama. There was a seven iron left at home for one of the rounds. Mike (laughs) might have changed his putter. We'll let him describe that situation. There is a ton of juicy (laughs) stuff. This should be a documentary, really. I mean, this is really good stuff. So we're going to stop blabbing about it. We're going to get you straight to it. But as always, guys, if this adds any value, and I guarantee it will, do us a solid. All we ask, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. There's also still a few hats left, the Navy hats called the Old Tom, based on the Open Championship. We still have some Navy hats available, so go to thepartrain.com. Get yourself a hat. Check us out on socials at the par train, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We're over 80,000 now growing hundreds by the day. So check us out there. Shoot us a note. I reply to every message and you're going to get little tidbits that you don't hear on the show every day on your feeds too, which is great. So as always, guys, no matter how hard the wind's blowing, no matter how bad the swing feels, no matter what's on the line, what do they got to do, sir? What did your brothers do this week? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. This is a very special podcast. I've had two Cermaks before. I've got three out of the four Cermak brothers on the show. Mike Cermak, Joe Cermak. Guys, welcome aboard. We've got a lot to talk about. Thanks for having us. Being the only one that hasn't been on the show, I'm excited. Evan, you should be honored. I am. In his presence, right? There's going to be, guys. We've been lucky to have some amazing people on this show. I'm maybe as fired up as I've ever been for this. Now, before we dig in and give the listeners context on what event you guys just won, the significance of it, and we're like three days after it. So this is fresh. You guys are fired up. I can see it in your eyes. But before we get to that, the first question I have is 
how did this team get put together? And why didn't Matt get put on this team? Why was Matt oh. left off this team? I want to start oh. there. Michael, that's that's your that, Michael. That's for you to talk about how you how you built this team. So he always on. he always does this. <laughs> you know, it was last year. A very close buddy of mine invited me. He was the one who got the original invitation, and he gave me a call. A guy I grew up playing golf with since I was six, seven years old. Guy from Chicago. You know, I'm like, oh my god, 100. I called Joe right away. I'm like, I'm in the Butterfield Invitational. How cool is this? About a week and a half, two weeks before the event, he goes, hey, I can't make it. I got a family function. I can't get out of. And he said that uh, Butterfield's going to honor the spot and I get to invite someone. And Joe has played in the event before, you know, and he's a pretty good player. So I, it was kind of a no brainer. Mike, you got to tell the listeners of that gentleman from Chicago has been on our show before. Oh, Sam Bettinardi. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Great friend, great player, and obviously the Bettinardi family. So. Great putters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I have one as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Butterfield Invitational Champions. I need people to understand how this tournament works. You had to qualify to get in it. It sounds like there's invites as well. So help people understand this is not a member guest. This is a tournament that people fly in to from all over the world, maybe. Keep me honest. Joe, why don't you give us some context, help people understand what the Butterfield Invitational is at Butterfield Country Club in Chicago. So the Butterfield Invitational is an event now that's been going on 71 years as of this year. So it's got a lot of history. It is a event that takes place over nine different flights from championship level golf, then the championship flight X-Pros, D1 golfers, and other just great amateur players to the weekend warrior 36 handicaps right now for some pride and like you said evan i i don't know i have yet to meet anyone that's from out of country there but probably there's people from all over the country that come into this fortunately for us we did not have to qualify championship flight is invitation based only but they do have a qualifier for all the other flights they have hundreds of guys come in for one day qualifier just to have a chance <laughs> to be a part of this event. So it's again, like you said, it's not a member guest. There's a lot of members in the event, but you know, Michael and I, we're not members. In fact, in the championship flight, there's only one member from Butterfield in the championship flight. So it is a very uh, sought out after invitation in the golfing world, especially, you know, in the, you know, the business aspect of the golfing world. And um, it's lasted 71 years. It just tells you how, prestigious and, and big it is in that regards. Make sure that listeners understand what makes it different than a member guest. For example, you're not giving strokes out there. Yes. You're not playing nine whole matches. So just go into that a yes. little bit. So it is bracket style match play, 16 teams in each flight. Now every flight's based on handicap or like your handicap, but in that flight, you're playing straight up golf, 18 hole match play, best ball. And so what Got are it. the ranges? handicap ranges that can go in the same flight just so people understand because you're playing straight up maybe just talk about yeah your flight and maybe the flight yeah, down or something like i that. would say probably the championship flights everyone's on in the plus side of, of okay. zero i know in the first flight there's a lot of borderline scratch golfers guys who are just great players but maybe you're just either a hair old for the championship flight or maybe they don't have like the length because the championship flight, like I said, is, is a lot of guys who 
play more than they probably should in life. The championship flight and the first flight, especially like even the second flight, it's just really, really strong golf in general. So two quick follow-ups on what you said, Joe. I think that's really helpful. One is how does the championship flight get invitations? How do they decide who gets an invitation and how did you guys get an invitation? It's kind of a who you know type of thing. The tournament does have a, a very you know, well-known reputation nationally, but it's kind of like, a you know, who do you know? And then, then you send in and, and then they go through resumes. And I was fortunate enough uh, in 2016 to play my first one with a dear family friend who got the invitation, who's played in a few U.S. senior AMs and one of the you know, senior players in Illinois. That got my name on the radar. And we had a little success, so kept my name fresh. And then I, you know, was out of it for the last few years. And Michael got into the fold, and Michael decided I was a good enough partner for him to, you know, be with. So here we are again. We did win. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you guys are. You guys can go back for the rest of your lives now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, now, second second follow up. So that was how you get an invite. Mm-hmm. Why would everyone fly in for people that have to qualify. What about it makes people flying from everywhere to want to get in? And Mike, maybe we kick it over to you here. Yeah. What do you think, Mike, on that? I mean, yeah, kind of off the top of my head. I mean, there's a few things. I mean, the golf course is so incredibly pure. It's bent grass at its finest. You know, you have the greens running at almost felt like 14 when it was really hot out there. The fairways run firm, which is great for all golfers. You know, you can get that ball on the ground and it'll just move. You know, it makes it tough for players that have, you know, of a high caliber because then it, you have to know how to stop the ball. You know, everything from the golf to the people you meet. I mean, and it's a party too. Yes, they, there's multiple bands that come in. So it's a scene. Uh, yeah. It's pretty cool. Where I was telling Evan about Patrick Sharp. Brian Campbell, ex Blackhawks. Yeah. You just yeah. what? You're, what happened? You were on the putting green when you were telling me about. <laughs> oh, I just thanked them for you know ten. He was like Sharpie, years. right? Yeah, and I, it was just cool hearing Brian Campbell say Sharpie because I always would hear that on TV, and then when you hear it in person, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, so there's some exclusivity to it. Amazing course, amazing events outside of the golf, and then I would think it sounds like straight up golf. Matt and I were talking off air. I think, I don't know. I've only played in member guests and like Ryder cup trips. So to me, it's always been handicapped, but there's something sometimes that can cheapen the golf of you guys going up against a guy that's getting two strokes, sometimes even three, a hole. Talk about that for a second. Is that true in your mind? Like straight up golf? There's it's more of a pure tournament. Yeah, I completely agree. It every shot truly matters. Those two footers, you got to make them. Chip shots that are really easy when nothing's on the line, you got to chip them close. For me personally, that's the only way I played growing up. So I, I yearn for it. You know, I play a lot of business golf, fortunately, and I get pretty bored pretty quickly because <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, you're, you're picking up balls from five feet, six feet. And it's, you know, I have a great time. I tend to drink a little bit more when I'm playing that type of golf, which is a Great aspect of golf. Yeah, I much prefer putting everything out. Talk about kind of a little bit the mindset there is like knowing that you're not given a zero or plus one handicap a shot here. It's pure golf. So the mindset is just like, 
hey, best team's going to win. You know what I mean? Mono, or in this case, duo v duo. And let's just see who the better team is today. And, you know, that's the way golf was originally founded in that regards. And I, I, I fully believe in the handicap system. It's a great thing for a lot that allows anyone to play against anyone. But in the end, like Michael was saying, every shot matters, especially when the course was so firm, fast and windy, you couldn't take a shot off. Right. And the last thing I want to say on the format is the difference is this is all about winning the flight. It's not about going to a horse race or a shootout or whatever you want to call it. And then having to play, you know, all those other flight members. And that's a different mindset too, right? Because, you know, Evan, as you know, I have no experience in that. Evan obviously has the the most, but like, yeah, no, you you win your flight and you're a crown champion of your flight. Just the way it is. That's the tournament. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I want to get into each round. We're going to talk through themes and we'll, we'll interject. Um, but before we get into that, was there anything that you guys talked about? Was there a mindset, an intention, an approach as a team? Did you guys talk about that of what the goal was for the week and how you guys talked about being a team? And before you guys jump in, for the listeners, this is your second time doing this. You had experience from last year. Didn't quite have the performance you wanted to. It wasn't all negative, but talk about that as well. I think the only structured thing that we had was I teed off first every single time we had the tee. That was the only structured thing. Joe and I have played so much golf together, right? We know each other's strengths and weaknesses. We really just played our own games. I can count on one hand where I was like, Joe, where do you think that win's coming from? Or maybe him asking me something, but we just played our own games and I think had just ultimate trust with you know both of us. I completely agree with that. Mike and I are, Matt can attest to this and mom, dad, Patrick and everyone else can attest to this. Like we're very different, but yet we're like, we burn a similar fire, but we show it differently. There was a few times I thought like, you know, you and I were speaking to each other without, even, without us even speaking. Yeah. <laughs> and our mindset was pretty simple. Obviously, you know, we could, we'll talk about like, the conditions here soon, but like, let's just go win. Let's go play good and see what happens. I go, I mean, the goal is to win, to win your match. And I, I don't care who you are and what flight that needs to be your goal, but it's just like, let's see if we can put a decent game together and let's try and win. So, but, but really stay in your lanes. Mike knows how to play. Joe knows how to play as somebody who's watched Mike and Joe for our whole lives. What I can tell everybody is they're both intense and they're both, they like to play aggressive. And I think that bodes well to a partnership with Mm -hmm. the understanding, hey, I'm going to do me and you're going to do you. Along the way, we'll hopefully find each other. Well, it was funny. After the tournament, I found out, Joe, Matt told me that you were pissed the semifinals when I hit the three iron into the wall. Oh, I was so mad. <laughs> but you didn't, I, I didn't. So I had, mad. I had no, I, I was had in no jail. I had, I, I had no idea that he didn't want me to hit that shot. He didn't even interject. Oh. It was a crazy shot. You never, never end- <laughs> This is good. <laughs> but you know what, though? Here's the thing. We'll go into this, I'm sure, as we go along. I didn't like the shot but I trusted you trying the shot. If you would have asked for my input, I would have given a different opinion, <laughs> but, but you didn't ask. So well, therefore I, you were committed. Yeah. That's that trust thing. You know, well, it's just, you know, you, you, hey, you know if, you, if you don't, if you're not committed, you're going to fail. Right. If you're committed, <laughs> even if most of the time when you fail, you're usually okay. Unfortunately that was water, but 
Evan yeah. Joe's laughing now, but he was not laughing in the halfway house when yeah. he came up to me. So I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> well, this is this is <laughs> and, and, I, said, and I said, yeah, maybe the wrong choice, but he committed to it, and you guys are two up. Let's go. Well, that's you know this saying? is so important because I've played a lot of team golf and I'm the higher handicap, right? High single digit. Ryan's a scratch, and I've really experienced, I think a lot of people can relate to this where you don't want to let your partner down. You you can get into this mode where the whole day. You're not even thinking about the game you're trying to play, the shot you're trying to hit. You're thinking about what your opponent's doing and not letting your partner down. And that is the opposite of commitment. Right. Right. So what <laughs> and you guys true. said, you guys got it. You got it. You play your game. I'm going to play my game and we'll see where the chips fall. And Mike's not going to lay up from 220 or 230 from what it, it's just not how he plays. I, I understand that too. And then what did you do the next hole? Boom. You guys are right back. We got over it, moved on to the next hole. Ev, let's get into it a little bit here with these guys. We want to talk about kind of, you know, high level themes and just kind of what happened in the rounds, you know, because there was a lot yeah, of day one. Played. Now, nobody wants to get knocked out in day one. Right. No. So from what I can understand, it's not necessarily a single elimination format. But if you lose a match, you're probably not going to win. Correct. There's a consolation bracket. You lose day one. You're waking up early the next day. Your whole week is backwards. OK. And you guys. Had that last now, year. can you win yeah. from the consolation bracket? Can you know you can't? Okay, the, the you can be four and you could just maybe get in the money, so to speak, but you can't, yes. yeah, got yeah. it. Okay, there's a consolation championship. Okay, so day one, right? Want to start off great, don't want to get don't want to lose your first match, but you're also like coming in the swing of it, you know. Sometimes it takes a little bit to eat, get into the tournament, see where you're at. So, walk us through match one. We don't ne necessarily need to go hold a hole, obviously, but like. Walk us through the main themes of match one, 18 holes. You know, for me, I remember having just the worst range session, the worst I was hitting the ball all year. Just so happened to be the first day of the event. <laughs> Are we talking yeah. like I had two shanks, two shanks. I, okay. I, I, hate that one. <laughs> I did not see those. <laughs> I had two shanks and just wasn't even close to the center of the club face. I had to work really hard to get the ball somewhat online. So I kind of like Jerry rigged my swing, you know, how so like punk got shots. Got, yeah, exactly. You know, I got a little bit more on my left side and I really focused on tempo. Yeah. I didn't really care that I didn't hit, didn't hit it good on the range because that does not always correlate to the course. And I was just so excited to play because the golf course is so pure it's just yeah, yeah. fun to hit balls and watch the ball fly at a course like this. Did everybody just hear what Mike just said? That was huge. What you just said, two things. I wasn't really concerned about it. You, you had belief that you can manage it, but God, I am so excited to play this course. So you leaned yeah. into excitement instead of dread or pain. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, I, I remember shooting 66 once having the same thing, just couldn't hit a shot on the range, but comes down to score and there's a just, lot of different aspects to golf, you know, short game and putting and yeah. you know, all that stuff. And this is your favorite tournament, right? So yeah. the vibes are fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Was, so let's was, get into the first match. Joe, I, you probably have a better memory when it comes to yeah, that. Yeah, we played, we played two former division one golfers. Uh, one of them was, is a friend of mine. And um, I wouldn't say we played a, like our best game by any means, but I thought Michael and I worked, you know, we worked well together. We were, you know, if someone was out of the hole, the other person was in the hole. The theme of the four days was extreme wind. Like it was the windiest, some of the windiest conditions I could re ever recall in like July in Chicago. 
while being 95 degrees. Like, what are we talking? 20, 30? No less. Yeah, it's 20 minimum, 35 to 40 gusts, sometimes throughout the week. And and swirling. Swirling. It was never true. And throw that with the 13 to 14 greens and extreme dryness. The course was baked. But the first match, we we were just, we won three and two. We had a chance to close it out on the uh, 14th hole. We just couldn't do it. We won on the 16th hole. In the end, we played just solid golf in tough conditions to get the match done. Would you say anything different, Mike? No, I completely agree. I was really proud of us, though, at the end of that match. And Joe Joe definitely carried me. You know, we were up five, you know, and we had him dormy. And they rattled off two wins in a row. And it didn't affect us. Uh, you know, we could just tell, you know, like, we'll get it done. We have trust in our game. When we ended up getting the par, and Joe, you hit a great iron from like 186 or 187. Was that eight iron? Yeah. And you hit it to like 25 feet under the hole and just a hard par four. And you made a really solid par and, you know, we got the match and it was nice to only play 16 holes, you know, right. Cause you don't want to play 25 on the right. first day. And Joe, you felt for listeners context, okay. About your swing in the first round, obviously yeah, you know, I mean, Mike was searching a little bit. You had a consistent kind of vibe going. Yeah. I felt, I felt fine. You know, like I said, the, with the conditions being so crazy, I mean, this you can't back to the theme of yeah. your show, the par train. I remember saying to Michael on the on the putting yeah. green, I go, pars are not going to be a bad thing. And, you know, usually that's a crazy thing to say in a two-man match. So I'm about like, I was like, pars are not going to hurt us. Yeah. You know, we made it's a always- bunch, sprinkled in a few birds, and we had the match by the throat on the 14th hole. So I just I plotted along. I don't know if this is – and sorry if I keep cutting you off, Joe. It's, it's no, kind of hard. I don't know the exact, you know, money every single year, but, you know, if you shoot even par in every single PGA Tour event, you're going to make over a million dollars. So to Joe's point, par is good. Par is good when it's windy. Par is good when it's easy. And I do remember you saying that, Joe, and, you know, that kind of eases you a bit. You know, in match play, it's pretty easy to, like, press for birdies. And I played this this tournament in the past, last year with Michael, where – we shot six under for 14 holes and we lost five and four to a team that shot 11 under. Right. So like I seen it go on, like, like, but that was dead calm conditions. And we were able to see the dirt on the greens after the ball mark. So the conditions are tough. And I just said, I'm like, Hey, if we make pars, we're going to be okay overall. Well, guys, Ev loves this because <laughs> he knows how good you guys are. And he knows that you, be- you have the self-belief that you can make birdies and Eagles, but you can't force it. Right. Yeah. And especially yeah. when first round tough conditions, everyone's nervous. Like I think just, a lot of guys yeah. probably press for par. Remember, yeah. guys, I've done it where I'm like, I get six or seven pops, and I know all I have to do is make pars for the team. You press. So, real quick on match one, Mike, did it translate from the ring? Were you kind of fighting it throughout the first round? I mean, it kind of helps. It's windy. You got to punch it anyways. But it's, I, I definitely fought it. You know, I, I didn't hit, it's hard to remember every shot, but I didn't hit really any wayward shots. And I always felt like it was close. Okay. I hadn't played golf for like six days leading up. Admittedly, I was a little rusty, but I accepted that. But I mm-hmm. knew, look, Joe's a great player too. So like I had that trust that like, eh, I can rely on him a little bit. I yeah. know he's going to help me out here, you know? Yeah. So I always had that. Like feeling, ah, my swing's close. Just keep swinging, keep swinging. Keep swinging. So before we get to match two, I've never asked anyone this. This is interesting. You guys are the perfect people to ask. Do you think ham and egging 
because you said you guys really ham and egg nice in match one. Does ham and egging just kind of happen? Or do you change your approach based on where your partner is to promote ham and egging? And Joe, if you if you see Mike, you know, maybe not at 100 percent round one, what's your mindset a little bit? And real quick before you answer that, in case someone doesn't know what ham and egging mean, <laughs> it just means that if Mike made a bogey on those holes, Joe makes par birdie, right? They pick each and, other up and then vice versa. The other messes up. Yeah. I think it's a combination of a lot of, of everything. Um, when the conditions are that tough, you have to play decade golf, so to speak. Like you have to big targets, safe spots, even if it means a tougher putt on the green, mm-hmm. just to be on that green. They make sure, you know, especially at Butterfield, where the, you know, missing the greens and spots is big trouble. Greens are elevated. Every green's perched, elevated, yeah. and everything drops off. Collection areas, bunkers, the whole nine yards. It sounds so, like very McKenzie. Yeah, it's linked from it's a, actually I think it's a Moreau, but yeah. Okay. Like <laughs> that, that style. Yeah, it's those features. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it kind of happened naturally. Like, yeah, you know, sure, if Michael hit a bad drive, maybe I'd be like, well, I'm gonna shade to this side of the, of the hole. Or, you know, or if I hit a bad iron, Michael's like, all right, I'll just take the fat part of the green. But like in those conditions, I just think it just happened naturally only because it was just you know, you couldn't get crazy. Yeah. I mean, obviously I agree with that. And I I think I'm trying to think every time that I've ham and egged it with with someone, whether that's a scramble or a two-man team like Joe and I played, everyone just seems to always have a lot of fun, you know, mm-hmm. even in the beginning. And obviously, I think that's a little bit of luck that goes into that, but we're just so excited to play in that event. You know, it's not hard to have good feelings. So mm-hmm. combination of being pretty decent players and then obviously just having the opportunity to play and something like that. It's hard to ham an egg when you have to be so precise on a golf course like that, conditions like that, right? It's not like you can just take a shot off and just close your eyes and just hit it to 20 feet, right? You are looking at no. front yardages, you're looking at middle yardages, you're looking at collars, and you're and knowing if you're a couple yards off, the ball is going to go 40 yards over the green. Like, it's, a, it's an interesting ham and egg. <laughs> Let's also be clear, Matt. Like, what Mike just said, a lot of people get in trouble. You look forward to something for so long that sometimes that excitement can turn into anxiety, For which sure. is normal or dread fear, you know? So I think it's real. That's a great lesson to pull out of match one is like you leaned into the excitement yeah. and you let the excitement overpower maybe some, some fear or whatever that came in on, on the ranks. That's a great way to sum up how I felt. I completely agree. Yeah. Almost right, even so, a little, almost even a little grateful just to be there. Like this yeah. is just too, this yeah, is just too great to get caught up in any of yeah. the mental side of it. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors that every single one of you needs before you go play golf. I'm telling you. So I've just been on all of these amazing trips and I have had so many of my friends and people that I don't know just come up to me, see that I'm wearing a rooster's belt. And it's so funny. They ask me, Hey, so I've been thinking about getting one of these belts, but I just wanted to ask you, are they as good as you say they are, or are you just doing an ad read? And I look at them and I smile. I I laughed a couple of times. I'm like, look, I want to make it super clear. We're not just having anybody on this show. I don't have anything on our podcast that is just quote for an ad read. Okay. We vet everything. We wear it first. We have to absolutely love it. And then we bring it to the train faithful, all you guys. Shoproostas.com, enter the code TRAIN, get 15% off and free shipping. I'm telling you, 
They're woven stretch belts with a beautiful brown leather and metal clasp. The best belts that I own. I have five or six colors now. I want to get more. So whatever you're into, if you want a classic look with solids like khaki, white, black, navy, they got that. If you want something a little louder, they've got tri-colors. They've got a bunch of different colors. So whatever you need, they got it. Shop Roostas, R-O-O-S-T-A-S.com. Enter the code train, get 15% off plus free shipping and get the belt that your outfit deserves. You guys are getting rowback out there. Elevate those rowback outfits with a Roostas belt. I'm telling you, you guys will absolutely love it. All right, let's get back to the show. Match one, three and two. Now, remember, the challenge of match one, getting into the swing of things, don't want to get eliminated early. Day two, you just came off of 18 holes. There can be some body stuff. You wake up feeling a little different. (laughs) I know we got two more to go, but let's talk about match two. What came up in match two? Match two is against two guys that grew up playing golf with Patrick. In uh, local rival high schools. So, you know, me working at my high school, I naturally was like, all right, let's go, boys. Because <laughs> they're rivals. And, I'm, you know, I'm petty like that. I get, you know, fired up for that type of you stuff. You embraced it. I embraced it. Yeah. But as you're saying about bodies, I got an old body with my back surgeries from years ago. And just, I, my body is not 18 years old or 20 years old. But um, I spent a lot of time each night and every morning stretching, rolling, hot and cold showers, alternating temperatures to, um, especially on my hips to keep, keep them, keep the blood going. But the second match was, it was a battle. The two guys we play with, they didn't have us down bad. We were two down with three to go. Let's put it like that. And oh. uh, we pushed it to extra holes somehow, some way got it done on the 20th hole. Um, Mike could probably agree for 17 holes. It was a good match, even though we were like down, it was like, competitive good match mike was there a key moment or what what happened on there on 16 or talk us well, through that a little bit from my perspective they gave us the match they had two putts to win i don't know if it was one was on 18 they missed like a four footer i remember in that match just the putter felt so incredibly foreign to me i probably had four three putts five something like that like so i was starting to hit it okay but then my putter went away so it was a really weird match. They're great guys. Like it was our first time meeting them. It was my first time meeting them. And it was kind of tough to see them, you know, lose that way. But someone's that, gotta so win. Like, yeah. Someone's gotta win. So Joe, talk us to the the winning hole, the playoff. Well, I'll take it back to the 14th hole, the par three. I'm I hit a bad tee shot into a bunker and I was on the face of a bunker, fried egged. This is one of the best <laughs> shots I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Mike, was on the, Mike was on the green. The key point of the match here. Okay, this is good. Yeah, Mike was on the green, but the green was brown, like turning purple, yeah. like brown turning purple. It was so fast and so firm. Yeah. So like, there was no safe punt. No. And I get it into the face of this bunker, plot for fried egg, no shot. Like I had to like go completely pigeon toe, duck footed. Pigeons are in, duck footed, like out to my side, ninety degrees, and then squat like a ballerina just to get to the ball. And I was just so mad that the ball was fried egg. I'm like, come on, it's on the steep bank. This should be down in the flat. And it was all sides, it was all on a side hill. And I just like took the biggest whack ever. And halfway to the hole, I'm like, oh my God, this is gonna go in. And it stopped about what eight inches away. Yeah. And the the gallery that was there that was very for the uh, our opponents, they actually gave me a round of applause. 
I remember a caddy said to uh, me on the following hole, he goes, something tells me that bunker shot's going to matter. Now, we didn't, like, win the hole because of the bunker shot, but things flipped. Yeah. So I hit that bunker shot. That got my juices going, obviously. Flash forward to the second playoff hole after 18 and the fir- 18th hole in the first playoff hole, where we all forgot how to putt. I hit a three wood into a, like, I hit a three wood off its short part four. And I, every time I hit this three wood, it goes right short of this bunker. No matter how good or bad I hit it, it's always short of this bunker. I happened to hit this three wood into this bunker. I, I obviously was juiced up, but no matter what, I thought I could never get it there. And I was 64 yards out up the hill to a pin on a shelf. And Michael was in already at eight feet. So I knew Michael was good. And I just happened to hit the bunker shot to five feet and roll in the putt for the win. The hell of a shot. Wow. 64 yard yeah. bunker shot from the fairway to an elevated green what, in the way. Tough, toughest shots in golf. Yeah. He had to make the putt because I missed it again. <laughs> uh, Mike, 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 <laughs> we're going to talk about this. So uh, I alluded. To this. So you, you guys escaped that match. Escaped yes. that match. Oh, Houdini, you need a little luck to win yeah. in any tournament. Right. Right. So Joe, when you guys wake up and you get to the course on day three and you see Michael with a different putter in his bag. You're skipping, the, you're skipping what he asked me. He texted me, he goes, I need you to bring every single putter you own. I don't know, oh. I don't know a bunch, hey, you but got I a came few. out with seven putters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm carrying them over my shoulder, clanking around, and I got other clubs too. The locker ended up being a pro shop. It's yeah. a Benton Hardy tailor-made demo day. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Every For Mike. Putt, like, even the brand, I had it. <laughs> so, Mike, did you go through all those putters on the putting green? Yeah, and I ended up using uh, one of my backups, uh, a putter that Patrick got when he was like 13. So yeah, I, it's, it's, a, it's a putter that we've had forever, and uh, I'm glad I chose that one. And Mike, putted, what are you looking I for? Well. Is it like start yeah. line? Is it uh, like something I, that just I, feels I, good in your hand? What, what, what um, clarified it? I needed to find a putter that I, I could feel the arc of the stroke. Whenever I'm putting bad, I'll do what Tiger does, you know, just right hand, try and really feel that club head turnover. That just helps me get my rhythm back. And then when the rhythm's back, it helps me, you know, pick lines with more confidence because the putter I was using, it was a tailor-made and it looked like, like the Futura. If you remember the Futura, the Scotty Cameron, that was yep. kind of like a spaceship looking putter, something along those lines that kind of helped me get square, but in tournament play, I forgot I need to rely on my rhythm a little bit more than perfect mechanics. So I'm glad I had that putter because it was, it was a no brainer. Now, real quick, before we get to day three with this new putter, Joe, you mentioned twice in this match that you guys stole that you were pissed twice. One, you got plugged at the top of a bunker Two, you hit into a bunker that you've never reached before. Now this is a really Big moment I want to dig into for a second because so most people get pissed, feel like it's a bad break, it's unfair, poor me, and it impacts their ability to commit to what they're trying to do. So, what did you say to yourself to make sure that the anger didn't hurt you but actually helped you? The first bunker shot, the one that was out of control, crazy, lucky, insane, and all that. Once I got over my frustration, I just said to myself, well, why don't you just pull something off heroic? Like, what's Michael's okay. Like, again, Michael was on the green 25 feet away. I'm like, you had nothing to lose. Like, just right. give it a whack. Fair to say you had fun. You had fun with that shot. Yes. And like, yeah. yes, exactly. Like, because I, I, I really had nothing to lose. On the second bunker shot, 
the playoff one, it was more like, okay, I hit the three wood really, really good. Obviously the adrenaline probably got my ball to that bunker. I just kind of was like, you don't have time to be upset. Like I have to respond. Now it helped that Michael hit a very good wedge to a birdie look, but at the same time, it's like, I want to have two looks at this because you, you don't know what your opponents are going to do. You got to assume they're going to, one going to hold it. Right. So I'm just like, no time to get upset. Let's see what I can pull off here. Now, real quick, before you go, Matt, I've found that sometimes it's easy to let that your partner being in a good spot, do the opposite. Sometimes you feel like you're good. I got a tough shot in a bunker. I don't need to focus on this. They, they got me. And this is what separates great players, right? Like, right. Like you Joe didn't and Mike, take it off. Joe I've and Mike are, them off. Yeah. And just because you've never seen them play, but you kind of hear this. They're very intense. They'll get mad out there, but they got the shortest memories. Mm. They don't have time to be thinking about what happened once they're in that, what you call it the 28 seconds, right? When you're, it's your turn to hit. And this is yeah. what they're just really, really good at. Like, but, Joe, you didn't assume that Mike had it. Nothing against no, Mike. Oh. Yeah, Mike was Mike was not putting well. <laughs> I couldn't make. No offense, from... Mike. <laughs> Second day was not your best putting day, but no. But like again, though, I wanted to have an, I wanted to have two birdie looks because when you in in match play, especially best ball match play, two birdie looks is huge. I just focused. And like I mean, again, I I, you know, I I know I got a little lucky in the shot, but I hit the shot, the sixty four yard bunk shot, perfect. I hit it perfect. Yeah. I just wanted to have another look. I wanted to have two looks because I. I was getting tired and I wanted them to be over with. Now, real quick, did you hit a, what do you hit for a 64 yard fairway? I use a pitch. I use a pitching wedge in that one and I played it as a blast. And is, oh, you blasted it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Talk me through why you do that. Cause this is, cause the the higher the loft. This is going to be the rest of the episode. This (laughs) Real quick, because the higher the loft, the more likely it is to dig. Correct. Yes. But the sand was very firm. Okay it's a highly skilled golf shot. Like okay. yeah. it's, it's, that's a tough one to I me, mean, Joe. I'm not going to cut you off, but no, no yeah. way you can explain that. Okay. No way. Well, let's bypass it, but I'm always fascinated because I'm, all, I'm yeah. not sure what to hit there because 64 yeah. yards in the fairway. I'm probably shouldn't be hitting that club out of the fairway bunker. No, it's again, Man, that's a, it was just what, what I felt. Okay. My bunker game has been good the last few weeks. So I just like make a full swing and let's just blast it. It was a freaky shot. We'll get Joe to do a demonstration video of that shot. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a one-time deal. That's that's a one-time deal. <laughs> okay, Dang so the- day three, you guys stole the match, extra holes. You played 20 holes. Mike's got his new putter. <laughs> what is day three like? That's a lot. And tell us about three. who you're playing. Yeah. So day three, semifinals. This is the farthest I've ever been. Obviously, this is Michael's second event, time being this event, the farthest he's ever been. So I viewed it like, all right, this is sweet. We're, you know, we got Saturday guaranteed. That's always goal number one of the invitation to make Saturday, whether it's consolation or you know championship, just make Saturday. It's a big mm. deal. So I'm like, all right, we got Saturday guaranteed. So we're playing with a little bit of house money in that regards. But we were going up against, in my opinion, um, the top mid-am in Illinois. It's a guy oh, who I highly, highly respect as a player and as a person. He's played in just about everything both as a professional and as an amateur, he and his partner really worked Michael and I last year in a match. So, you know, him being the top dog and what happened last year was like, all right, see if we can take a swing at him today. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, we just, you know, I think, you know, as the week went on for me, my game just got better and better. And the first hole I think was the most important hole. I hate, I hate to make it about me, Joe, but like, 
you know, yes. no, you, you, me, you I had a great, I had a great drive. Um, the other guy, you know, our opponent, he hit a great drive. We both hit second shots. He hits it to like 12 feet. I hit it to like seven, but we both have these really fast downhill sliders. He makes it, he makes it first. And this is my first putt with the new putter, you know, up against these guys. <laughs> Let's go. I, Let's go, and, baby. <laughs> you know, I had zero confidence. And then all of a sudden I made that putt. And, and it just gave me confidence. So that was, that was like the most important hole for me. And it just so happened to be the first, you know, we started birdie birdie and that's how you want to match like that to begin, like just four great players, birdie birdie, you know, off to the races. And then, you know, you know, from my memory, Joe and I were just kind of in control the whole time. The putts went in, my putts went in and that, you know, I made the six footers, the seven footers when you have to make those is in my opinion, we played our best ball striking. Michael putted great, but like ball, I shouldn't say ball striking, but just our best games together that day where we were just a lot of, a lot of two birdie looks, a lot of, you know, no one, no one in much trouble off the tee and not much, you know, heroics needed around the greens. Like we just wore the course down and eventually wore our opponents down and we were fortunate enough to win three and one. So it's, it's fun to play against you know, top caliber folks, because it, it also brings the best out in you too. You know, like Joe said, this guy and his partner, you know, they shot 11 under to our six or seven last year. It was fun to kind of have another crack at them. And, you know, and I think that excitement also helped. So Ev, this is the, and for the listeners, this is the round I went out to and I caught you guys on seventh hole and watched the end, but it's fun, right? You got Joe and Mike, Iowa State and Toledo going against two guys from Kansas and Michigan. Right. These are just old, like division one vets battling it out. And one of the things I noticed on this day was, you know, Mike would, would put, he would tee off first. He put it in play 300, 310 out there. And Joe would say, All right, I'm going to rip this. <laughs> and, and I've heard some crazy several, numbers, Joe. Go several, ahead, Matt. 380, yeah. 390. But when Mike's in play and Mike's long and the guy they were playing with, one of the guys is, long too. And then Joe hits, you guys just had this vibe going about being in play and, you know, setting the tone, you know, when, when you're getting up to your second shots, it was, it was fun. You know, the, to your point there, Matt, I, I, I firmly believe the putter is the most important club in the bag, in my opinion, but a close second is the driver. If you're hitting your driver, well, you're always going to give yourself an opportunity and something about match play too. Right, Mike? Yeah, no question. I mean, Nagel uh, just told us that just went on a run of four out of five <laughs> Monday qualifies, right? He says, yeah. even not even driver, but whatever you hit off the tee yeah. is a scoring club, is what he told yeah. us last yeah. week. 100%. So were you guys up the whole day or was there a little back and forth in match three semis? Uh, we, we were up. Um, we get, we never were up more than three, but we never were down. Once we got to two, we never got, we never got back to one. It was a slow burn of a match in that regards. Like we won the 17th hole, but they needed a little theatrics to extend the match past 16. And again, yeah, they made a they made a 15 footer really hard putt to keep the match going. At that moment, I remember like thinking, like he's just gonna make this putt. So you just accept that you're gonna play more golf. Joe and I were hitting it good, so it's like, well. You know, I'm sure there's a good we'll chance it. we could tie the hole, you know? And isn't that guy supposed to always be the old school mentality? They're going to make it like you're just yeah. already preparing for your next shot, right? It's hard. 
and it gets hard to member guest golf, but it's like, you got to think that way or you're going to just, you're going to corrupt your mind. Now we haven't talked too much into match team play, right? We've, we've talked a little bit about it, but just for a second, do you guys believe that team play match play? Are you playing the course or are you playing your opponent? I try to play the course because I mean, you know, that's what's in front of me, but you have to be fully aware of what your opponent is doing every single shot. We'll have a little story about that yeah. in the finals, but you have to play both. But I, in my opinion, you have to respond to what's in front of you. And I still, you know, even though it's, you know, sometimes I may have to like change my decade pattern. I still try to stick pretty close to my decade routine and just play what, you know, best for my current abilities. Yeah. Meaning it's super- fattest part of the fairway. Fattest part of the green. You know, even if I have to shade it a little closer, if, 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 I could, if I'm shading it closer to a, a hole or something, I'm not like getting crazy. You know, it's just, it all, it all, again, it's all, it's all situational and yeah. just, it's just being aware of what's going on. Mike, I agree with what Joe has said. I think it changes, you know, on the last day, for example, in the finals, I knew my game was really good from, from the range. So I just played the course. My dad always used to say old man par, right? So I was, I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat him today. You know, super situational. Obviously, if someone hits three balls out of bounds and there's tons of water on the hole, I might not get as aggressive, you yeah. know? But in match Because it's play, really that, easy, right, Mike? To be like, well, our opponent did this. We, it's, I've seen so many times. I've been fault of this too. You go, all right, we got to get something going here. And you like well, and I, you force I, it. Or you see what your I, opponent does. We got to make birdie, like- I've played against people who were, I'll hit a bad shot, you know, maybe in a poor position, they'll go from a driver to like a three iron, but still snap hook it or still hit it to the right. So golf's really hard, you know, in my opinion, hit driver, (laughs) just always hit driver. That's a great point. Evan, Mike and Joe are really good examples of just pulling out the driver, not being reckless. Of course, there's going to be holes where you just can't hit driver, but like, Hey, you don't hit every fairway, but you got to get the ball out there. The whole calls for a driver and your opponents hit it in the bunkers, still hit the driver. <laughs> you know, don't back down. Hey, hey, this is what the stats tell me to do. Do it. Yeah. Right. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from a quick sponsor, and then we'll get you right back to the show. So it is, I don't know about you guys. I live in an apartment with no air conditioning in Los Angeles, and we're on the third floor, and my apartment is packing heat. It's hot out there. Okay, it's actually hotter in my apartment than outside. But with that being said, I've got a ton of crazy trips this summer. I've already gone to Cabo. I'm going to Palm Springs and I'm going to be playing in 100 plus degree heat every day. It would be easy to get a sunburn out there. I know a lot of us leave sunscreen up to chance. We hope a buddy in the group has it. We hope the pro shop has some. We forgot to put it in our bags. Then you get that farmer's tan or worse, you get burned and painful. It's not good, right? I used oars and Alps, my entire bachelor party. Every guy on the trip used it. I bought like six plus of them SPF thirties. Nobody got burned. We loved the smell. It was not sticky at all. It's the best. I'm telling you, they are my go-to sunscreen now oars and Alps. Their SPF 30 has antioxidant vitamin C in it, which helps with moisturizing. It's not as drying as others. And more importantly, it doesn't have the crazy chemicals that a Coppertone Sport or a Banana Boat has. So here's what you got to do. Go to oarsandalps.com, O-A-R-S and A-L-P-S. 
Bookmark.com. Enter the code train. Get yourself 15% off. I just submitted another order for myself because I ran out after Cabo. So I'm stocking up. The cooling wipes are an awesome little addition to use maybe at the turn. Maybe wipe your face off, clean it up, and then reapply. That's a nice little pro tip that I learned from Cermak. The SPF 30, SPF 50 spray won best sunscreen by Men's Health in 2021. And the Ghost Stick is another great option that won best product at the 2022 PGA show. So, orzenalps.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off, protect yourself out in the sun, and get yourself something that you deserve. Great ingredients, great smell, and great company. Chicago based. They really got great people over there, and they're a great partner of ours. So, orzenalps.com, enter the code train. Let's get back to the show. Before we get to the finals, and I know we're going to go over time, but I think we owe it to the listeners. We knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I knew this was going to happen. There are two themes that I've picked out from everything you guys have said. And I will tell you, in my own life, this is not even golf. This is career. This is relationships. There is two themes that you guys have said that has attracted more unbelievable things in my life that I could have never imagined. And it's exactly what you two said. It's I've got nothing to lose and I'm excited to be here. Yeah. It's a winning combo. Is an incredible combination. Dangerous so combination. Talk about the, those two themes. And now you're in the finals. The well, first time you're in the finals at a at your, super prestigious at, event. And your favorite event. <laughs> at your favorite event with everybody watching. There's Stay- Calcutta's. Stage is set, right? There's a lot of people are putting money on the line. Talk to me about what was going on going into the fourth round. Let's talk range session. Let's talk. If you guys talked before Mike found his putting, he's got his right putter. Joe's happy about that. What's the approach? (laughs) I'll start Mike. I literally did the same exact thing. I did the previous days. I showed up three hours early because the place is so nice. I like being there. Show up three hours. early, like, and like now there were some rain issues in the final round, but like I still showed up early. I did my stretching. I was struggling with my short game going into the tournament. So I, like, I spent more time each morning on my short game. The short game got better as the week went along, but I kept that, I kept that routine. I'm not superstitious, but I'm like, it's working. Don't, you know, don't change anything. Right. I, Sounds like superstition to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's sure. what that is. <laughs> Michael Scott says, I'm not superstitious, but I am stitious. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I'm not superstitious, um, but I didn't change anything because it was working. Right. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, just, like I said, maintain my, you know, my routine with the stretching routine with a short game. I'm an earbuds guy, AirPods guy before I play, listen to my music. What are you listening uh, to Joe? You too? Uh, not you too. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe's mostly, a metal guy. Okay. Mostly heavy metal. Whoa. Mostly heavy, metal, heavy metal guy. Heavy metal. Gangster okay. rap, uh, especially in match play. You're firing yourself up. Not, it's not even necessarily firing myself up. It's just more like getting into that mindset. Like it's kill or be killed. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I just went through my routine, like did my Theragun stuff because I'm old. Now the weather called for 10 mile an hour winds. I'm like, okay, this could be a birdie fest after rain all morning. It was torrential rains all morning. Then it turned out to be 40 mile an hour winds. <laughs> it was the windiest day yet. So, but Whoa. again, I just was like, whatever, you know, I wasn't watching Michael warm up, but like I would see a swing or two and I'd see his ball flight. I'm like, oh, that ball flight's, that ball flight's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, and Ev, Mike has a very similar warm-up to Joe. He'll tell you all about it here. <laughs> the putter's feeling good. You're hitting the ball good. So good. It, it was a little different. This time, um, 
my girlfriend and I went to the course together. That was different. She would typically just meet us out there. So we decided to have lunch for a little longer than usual. Yeah, Maddie was taking it in. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided to have lunch a little longer than usual. I decided to wear golf shoes because I wore gym shoes in the third round. Mm. Um, Really? Yes. Yeah. Why? Why not? (laughs) Mike, didn't you lose your seven iron in the third round too? (laughs) I left my seven iron against my bed because naturally, you know, when I got home the night before I was, you know, trying to find the swing. Just go, you just ease off on a six, right? Ev? That's all you do. Yeah. (laughs) Put that eight down. (laughs) You know, but when I quickly got to the range, you know, I I don't have like a, a routine, you know, like I did when I was playing in college. I've, you know, it's taken me a long time to accept bad shots. Right. And Mm -hmm. I've gotten, and I've gotten really good at that now in the last call it eight, nine years. It's a tough game as we all know. But when I got to, when I got to the range, I was just peering it. Obviously it doesn't matter if you're not hitting it good. It doesn't matter if you are hitting it good on the range, but there are times when, you know, you're hitting it good on the range, you know, you could transfer that to the golf course. And I knew I had it. And the funny part was, is I, I completely flared the drive on the first tee shot, but it didn't bother me because it was just a little bit of nerves and yeah. I just kind of got, got ahead of it and left the face open, yeah. you know, and then I hit the next shot from 175. It's, it's hard to release it feet. sometimes. But yeah. But, yeah. but that should be inspiring for you. Like it was or, yeah. for anybody listening, just like, Mike's like, it's just nerves. Yeah. Like, it didn't define me. Mike, <laughs> you said it's taken you a long time to accept bad shots. Is there something that you continually tell yourself or is it just you finally gotten to a point of acceptance and it doesn't even phase you? I'm sure you still get frustrated. You still say, God, you know, but it doesn't linger. For sure. I, um, it's such a hard game and it, it can take a long time to just feel comfortable. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to answer the question. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, getting older, more mature, if you will. Um, just on and off the golf course. So I did, you know, I don't really care about the results because I also know I'm good. I also know, you know, Hey, I might not play well this week, but I can probably play well next week. Yeah. That's really interesting. I've noticed for me, my best rounds, I just kind of accepted that. Oh, I'm getting into the swing of it. There's a little nerves law of averages. I'm going to get into a rhythm at some point, right? I'm going to play okay at some point that doesn't even necessarily mean that I was hitting it that great it's more rooted in just overall belief like I had belief that eventually I'll find it I kept telling Joe the whole week Joe I don't know if you maybe you look at the noise I'm like my swing is close my game is really close and I believed it but I think it for my you know personal psyche you know I have to continue to remind myself hey I got this I got this mm-hmm. and you know I, I turned it on I played really well in our finals and I turned it on at the right time so Joe talk us through a little bit the front nine and we want to get to that story too on the front nine that you mentioned but <laughs> yeah. talk us talk us through the first couple holes set the stage a little bit this is the finals of the I'm fired up right now <laughs> so we're here yeah, we're here I know, that. <laughs> I know the result and I'm fired up the first hole, you know, yeah, um, like Michael said, he flared a drive, but like he flared it, it was so bad that it was fine because he hit it on another hole. And I was like, so I was like, okay, that's wasn't fine. that far it, right. It was far, far enough right <laughs> to have a clear, clear enough far shot. Enough, right. Far enough right to be good. It's a tiger move. That's how Tiger won the Masters yeah. in 2019. Right. <laughs> I'm nervous too, but like 
nervous in an excited way. So and mm-hmm. I didn't hit the best drive, but I was fine. For whatever reason, we both we both made bogeys. Yeah. But actually, Michael had a birdie look, and he he three putted, and the other guys made bogeys, so we tied. Mm. The second hole, Michael had another birdie look. I was on the I, green, but I, I had like twenty five feet. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I had. Michael six plus for two holes, Uh-oh. and they made a birdie, so we're one down. Are we thinking and- about replacing? Can you? You can't do that mid match, no. can you? No, no. Okay. We'd have to go to the hybrids, maybe. Or yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, keep going. So, you know, we're one down after two. Obviously, it's, it's no big deal. Um, and I said, I remember saying to Michael, I'm like, Michael, your stroke is fine, your setup's fine. You, you just gotta get your speed dialed in. And he go, and he actually said, he goes, "You're right." <laughs> so we go to the third hole. Um, a hole that normally like driver wedge or nine iron. It was driver five irons because it was dead into the fan. And Michael and I had two great drives, two five irons, two great five irons. And we made, we secured par and then our opponent made a ridiculous up and down for par. So I'm like, okay, this guy's tough. You know, now the other guys, the guy who made the par, his partner's a little bit, you know, not off to, not off to a hot start, but I'm like, okay, this guy's, this guy's a problem. He's wearing Jordan's. He's got the big tour visor. I'm like, this is this guy's this guy's tough. <laughs> Mike's a game now. Mike's a Jordan guy. <laughs> unless I missed this, I just realized that I don't think we got an intro on the guys you're playing. Sure, guys from they're, they're from Arizona, okay. Scottsdale, um, Scottsdale, right? Yeah, Scottsdale, Phoenix area, obviously. And um, one of the guys, I didn't get the other guy's information. But one of the guys played at University of Colorado, okay. so about in about the same time I was at Iowa State, so we probably crossed paths a few times in um college but um but yeah the guy so the guy from colorado made the pot i'm like okay he's tough and the fourth hole is a long par three over bunkers tight Mm. pin into the wind the whole nine yards and michael can probably attest to this this is like where like in if i when i really think about it this is where the match changed both of them hit terrible tee shots they just didn't get close to the green Michael didn't hit a perfect iron, but he hit it like he was right, you know, not far from the green, like a good spot. I got lucky, hit a little thin, but I hit it over the green. So I was okay too. And Michael made an incredible up and down to win the hole. We were kind of off to the race at that point. So on. now are you square or did you go up? Yeah, we were, we're square. Okay. So we're going to par five, the fifth hole. I'm in the trees. This is kind of the situation we had with Michael the night before. I was frustrated. Like I was frustrated with his decision. Again, though, this goes back to my trust in him and my trust in him is obviously as a golfer and as in his decision making. He hit a really good drive. I'm in the trees and there's water and everything. And I'm like, I see him pull out his hybrid and he's on a down slope about two. What was it like? Two forty ish, two sixty five. Story's even better. Two sixty five. And I see him with that hybrid and I'm talking to my kitty. I'm like, oh, my God, I just wish he'd lay up because I'm in jail. I'm, I'm like, oh, deja vu. Yeah, no, it was deja vu. <laughs> It really was. I'm like, and my kid and our and our caddy, the, the caddy we had the last two days was great. He just let us be ourselves and like had no ego about him. Let us, you know, he let me clean my clubs my own way. It was just, it was great. We love that. Yes. And he's like, do you want me to go talk to him? I'm like, I go, no, don't go say a word. To him. I said, don't go say a word to him because I, I said, I go, I do trust him. And Michael hit an absolute bullet one iron hybrid to what 25 feet, Mike, give Something or take. Something like that. Yeah, give or take. And Easy, easy two putt birdie, win the hole. And I'm like, okay, we are now one up. Cool. Go to the next hole, par three up the hill to a crazy hole location. Yeah. And I 
was lucky enough to two putt. It was a terrible, it was actually a, a clown hole location. I was lucky enough to two putt it. And the guy was actually, we had similar putts. He three putts. So now we're two up and this is where the fun begins. Mike, you go from seven on. <laughs> yeah. And you remember the hole as well. So seven. It's an interesting hole. I think I call it a country club hole. It's kind of quirky. I hit a great drive, you know, which then sets Joe up to be comfortable with his shot. Joe takes this line that there's probably not many players in the world that can take this line and absolutely smokes it. But from the T angle, you don't know if it's good. You don't know if it's in the fairway. You don't know if it's behind a tree. Is this a, this is a par five guys, right? Par five. Correct. And is it dog leg? Dog leg right. Okay. It's, it, and it's just like constantly bending. It's like, it's, 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 so Joe very, played a big sweeping draw, I assume. No, I played cut, a dead straight bullet. It was a dead straight bullet. Okay. Anyways, I I didn't know about, if you cut the corner or not. I, I flew yeah, I flew the corner. Okay. I'm about 230 out. I hit a great three iron to about 30, 35 feet. And then our opponents hit, they hit it a little farther than me and, and whatnot. And we get to Joe's ball. I was 230. Joe, you were about 175. Yeah dead smack in the middle of the fairway. I think you hit like a seven iron to like 30, give me, 30 give me a little credit. It was a nine iron. <laughs> Joel, for the listeners, how long is the hole? 550. Okay. You're 175 out. Okay. Listeners do the math there. So, all right. So, so Joe, 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 ahead, Mike. Joe is up. Joe is up first to putt. Hits a great putt to like a foot and they just give him the putt like easy birdie. And I'm like, awesome. I have an opportunity to just, make an eagle and win the hole because they were both putting for birdies. They didn't get it on in two. And I leave it just like a little short and I'm like, ah, whatever, but it was a great putt. I just go pick up the ball and I'm walking off the green. And one of the opponents goes, Hey, we didn't give that to you. And I go, it doesn't matter. Joe made birdie. You gave him that putt. They didn't realize how far Joe was down there in the fairway. They thought he pitched out of the trees. This goes back to what we were saying. Like, <laughs> he goes, You pitched out of the trees. I go, No, I didn't. I hit no. My, I, I, I said, I go, I hit my drive 100 yards past you. I said, <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> I said, I hit my drive 100 yards past you. And they weren't being rude. They were like confused. And then he's like, Oh my God, you did. <laughs> and right there is what we talked about earlier. Like, you have to be aware of your opponent at all times. Even so they thought they were giving you a par putt. Yes. Yeah. Even if you're chipping out of the woods sideways, you have to see what your opponent's doing. Joe, for them, maybe one chips out. If they're both in the trees, one chips out, one tries to go for it. If they saw you guys were position A, because, but they, they didn't realize that. They lost their mind for a second. So this is a little bit, but keep going, telling the story. This is a little bit of a confrontation here. Michael took over the conversations. Like Michael's like, no, no, no. He hit his drive there and he made birdie. You gave it to him. And they were like, oh my God. Like the guy goes, oh my God, I am so sorry. We weren't paying attention. Right Now they actually ended up tying the hole. They made a birdie putt to tie. Yeah. But yeah. right then and there, I remember like walking back and looking at our family and friends that were supporting us. I said to our, our uncle, I'm like, oh, these guys are, you know what? <laughs> like, they're done. And he looked at me, he's like, oh, they're, they're toast. And then on the next hole, in a way, the match was not going to say over, but Michael made an incredible birdie putt when the guy was in. Like the guy, if Michael doesn't make this putt, it's a bogey. I'm putting for par from 20 feet. And the guy had 12 feet. Like he's thinking like, oh, I'm going to two putt and get a par and win. Michael makes his putt down the hill, snake. 
guy misses, and it was just it was a choke out from there. It was a long. It was run. like 40, 45 feet. And so now, then you guys go three up. Yeah, and then you know, then I just hit another great drive, make a you, great. You took par. off, Michael. I just watched. I watched from this point on. <laughs> I can make like three or three or four birdies. I don't know going in. It, it honestly was kind of funny on the hole that we won. It was the thirteenth hole. They have USGA officials at this event, which is pretty cool. USGA sanctioned officials, you know, riding around, you know, just, you know, if there's, you know, any rule discrepancies or what have you. And he comes up to me and I hadn't met him. He goes, hey, are you guys dormy? And I go, truthfully, I have no idea. I, <laughs> I just know we're playing really well. And then we won on that hole. Is Joe, Joe, is that the definition of Mike in the zone right there? <laughs> Mike from hole eight on Mike all day. It was the best ball striking probably I've ever seen him in terms of like hole for hole conditions. I didn't have to do much. Like I was there when, you know, he missed a green. I made the par <laughs> and and pars were winning for us at the time. But like Michael was just, just striping the course to death. And then the best part was on the last hole, you know, we're dormy and this flag, this green is like 80 paces deep and the flag is all the way in the back. And Michael is, you know, 175 out into the wind. And he's like, I'm going to hit my eight iron. And I finally overruled him. I go, no, you're oh, yeah. not. I go, you're hitting oh. your seven iron. I go, it's up the <laughs> hill, it's into the wind. There's room behind the flag. And that's the same club he didn't have the day before. And he got the seven. He got the seven. He absolutely <laughs> just absolutely, rest back at the house the day before. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely striped the seven iron and, I just knew within a second that the spin was perfect. The trajectory is perfect. I just put my arms up in the air. I'm like, that's going to the back tier. And he hit it to eight feet. I was so shook at how good of a shot it was. Like our opponents were, one was in the water. The other one was way left of the green. I was so shook. I couldn't even hit my second shot. I just hooked it. <laughs> I didn't even care. I was just like, so excited at the shot he hit. I couldn't even get in the cart. I was just so pumped at what he, like the round he played and the way he did it and to close it out that way and they conceded and the party began. And what hole was this Thanks, that Joe. you won on? What was we, the final match? The 13th hole. We won six and five, six and five. Okay. So let's yes. review for a second. This is championship match, 40 mile power wins with what? hundred plus yeah. people watching. It wasn't that many, but yeah, there, let's there, say there's there always yeah. people around. Yeah, there's always, <laughs> I mean, there's I'm sure there's people around. watching. So people always watching people championship around. match. I just want people to understand like 40 mile power wins. The elevated greens with hard and fast. Yeah. I mean, that's basically like, you know, tour conditions on yeah, a tough day. Yeah. I, I think not the, slow, the back tees slope 146, 75, three or four course rating. And then, wow. you know, you throw 13, 14, you know, on the stamp greens yeah. and the wind. Yeah. The course is playing locations. <laughs> Mike, what do you attribute to getting in the zone? What helped you get there? I was always relaxed. I, I, I was, even when I wasn't playing well early in the week, I was always relaxed. I always believed my swing was close. And then I, I literally, I think found my rhythm, you know, and, and I think technically I slowed down my transition, you know, from the top of the backswing to the bottom, I had patience mm. and I always knew I was going to hit a good shot right when I was at the top of my swing. Cause I knew I had the patience. So then that gave me the confidence to go hard at the ball. Mm. If, if that makes sense. Well, that's great. That's a great physical thought, Joe. I mean, you were pretty, you were pretty strong with your driver all week. What was your thought to keep you aggressive and assertive? Because I mean, you hit some drives that just were game changers. I mean, you did other things great too, but 
just to kind of hit home here. I mean, my swing was feeling good for the most part. And I just felt like, hey, the whole setup for, or especially the driver, like I was hitting it well enough where like I knew if I hit it in the in play, I'd have to make a big mistake to make bogey. I knew my driver was covering a lot of pars and that gave me a lot of confidence where I can just freewheel it. Michael can attest is like, I don't think I missed one or two like really bad, like maybe, maybe two tops over four days. No, like, oh, that's a bad drive. No. Yeah. We played good golf. We played very good golf. Well, there you have it, Ev. I mean, the Butterfield jams right here taking so, us through. What, come on, go ahead, Ev. What are you, what are your final okay. thoughts? What are your learnings here? <laughs> okay. So we already talked about got nothing to lose, excited to be there. Right. The other two things I heard in the final round in the championship match was belief patience and you guys said something very similar that we heard Colin Morikawa said to himself when he won his first major from his coach Rick Sessinghouse I'll always love telling the story because Colin saw himself a shot or two within the lead when he's going to that par four I think it was the 16th remember when he drove the green yeah Yeah. and he said something that Joe said which was it'd be easy the the automatic thought might be oh shit I have a chance to win a major. Then you think about, well, what do I get if I win a major? What will that mean? Right. What do I get? What the exemptions, the money, the, the trophy, the, all of it. But instead he said, okay, why not me? I'm up here. I'm within the lead. I know I'm good enough. Let's go get it. So you guys also stayed very offensive. Not, it doesn't sound like reckless, like maybe we maybe we clarify that for the listeners because you guys are aggressive, but Joe, you're also the one in, in your podcast with us previously that told me most birdies are accidents, and you regularly hit it to 25 feet on purpose. Yep. So maybe end with that. How did you guys balance staying maybe aggressively conservative? And I, I also think Mike said something really interesting that's also been a great key for me is really slow, smooth transition, but then aggressive at the ball. Yeah. What were your keys when you reflect on this? We've gone through all of it. What are your keys? Your keys under the gun, right? When you know, you know, the heat was on there and the semis in the finals. Mine was always, you know, the driver was so important because you needed to be in the fairway to stop the ball on the greens because they were so firm and so fast. And to give yourself that best chance, I always tried to know where the whole location was before I hit the tee shot. So I can be on the, you know, give myself the widest angle to that hole. I don't know if I'm answering the question, but that helped me narrow my focus to even if I was, you know, in the rough, I still had the best angle. Mm. And that was my, my game plan, at least. Ev, that's a great immediate thought. If, my, if Mike had a bad hole, he's just like, well, all right, where's the hole location? And every hole before we teed off, I would tell Michael, like, this flag is back left. This flag is front right. You know, I would yeah. tell Michael, just say it out loud. Even if he wasn't necessarily registering it, you know, you just putting it, oh, just yeah. planting that seed. Yeah. yeah. I think just narrow the focus. I, mean, I didn't, you know, I thought smooth transition. Where's the best place to play from on my next shot. Hmm. That was it. I guess my approach in team golf, we often get into like, you know, we all, we always try to like, Hey, say, Hey, give me the green light. You know, Hey, if you, you hit a good shot, I, I can get, I got a green light, but with the conditions being so demanding, and mistakes being magnified, 
I can't tell you how maybe less than five times Michael or I putted a par putt before a birdie putt. Like I didn't wasn't going to change my approach on a 25 foot birdie putt if he was in for par. Like I'm like, I was still going to respect it the same way as if I was playing stroke play by myself. Hmm. And I think that thought those like that type of thought, like, or I'm going to hit this one to 30 feet. That's just the right play. And I think that alone, like it just blocked out a lot of the noise. Yeah. Like, like, Oh, I got it. You know, I want to get close or I want to just like, no, just play what's being given to you. Like I said, every now and then, like if I had a short iron and Michael was, you know, hit a good shot or, or I hit a good shot, we would tighten, maybe just maybe move that line a little bit closer to the hole. But like, it wasn't like, oh, we're just going to freewheel it. Again, it goes back to like, in t- especially in team golf, have two birdie putts, have two looks. It sounds like you guys let the course come to you yes, and you stayed very executional focused instead of yeah. thinking about what it meant. I mean, did you ever think about what it meant and had to kind of reset and get yourself <laughs> back in execution mode? Right, For because- sure. It's sure. all the same things Morikawa was thinking about. Like it's the yeah. I mean, it's, it's human too. It's easy to. <laughs> yeah. I think it's you know when you hear these guys say like, "Oh, I didn't, I, I didn't think about what was at stake." No, y- y- yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but you just you just got to take that deep breath, go through your routine, and be like, "All right, what do I have to do to you know give myself the best chance to get closer to my goal?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, you got to stay present. Yeah, I've actually found. And then we'll get you guys out of here. I know we're over time, but I realized this past weekend, I didn't play great, but I played in this Ryder cup event and Mike, what you said, you felt at the range. I felt the whole event. (laughs) So I'm out there so uncomfortable. I have no idea where this ball is going and I'm the number one seed and my team's quote, relying on me and all this stuff. So I'm in a shootout. We added a shootout to the format, similar to a horse race. Right. And I realized the way everyone was playing a shootout is probably the way we should play golf all the time. Meaning, you know, that one bad shot could mean you're out. So every person I'm talking from 25 handicaps to me as a seven was giving their undying attention and focus to the club, the line, the flight. And we were, it was exhausting, but it was obsessive. Yeah. And it sounds like that is the level of focus that's required. Tiger talked about that all the time, being obsessively focused, giving everything you have to every shot and the conditions makes it even more. But but also being relaxed in between your shots. And you guys are very, you guys are very good at that. For me, it's repeat the process every time, regardless of the result. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's that's a good line. And going quickly off of what you talking about with your Ryder cup experience there, Evan, if you're not exhausted after a day of competition, like mentally, you, I'm not saying you, you didn't try, but you, you, you may not have put as much as you should have yeah. into it. And I haven't touched a club in <laughs> since Saturday. I'm, I'm getting back tomorrow, but like I just needed a few days off to recuperate and recalibrate. Yeah. Well guys, it was an unbelievable performance. It was a pleasure as your brother to watch it. With the whole family, you guys are going back to this tournament forever. So, well, hopefully, it, we, don't, we don't know well, that for sure. Well, <laughs> they're they're going to want you back for a while. So, um, yeah, congrats, well, guys. I mean, what an amazing episode. I I I hope our listeners got some nuggets and got as fired up as I felt as you guys were talking. I think there's a ton of great themes. Thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, this is great. no, Evan, Evan and Matt, thank you so much too. Truly, it's been a lot of fun. 
Absolutely, boys. Pleasure right, guys. listening to you Congrats. guys. And thanks for having us. Thanks, Let's do dudes. this again next year after you guys win back to back, shall we? Oh, oh that would oh, be special. Oh, like, <laughs> Evan, did you end up winning? I mean, what happened? Did you win in your shootout? I got to the finals. Like I'm talking grinding, getting up and yeah. down from everywhere. <laughs> thanks to Matt. I mean, Matt's really helped me with my short game. I ended up losing. Guy made birdie on the last hole, but I, I had a terrible drive on the last hole. Kind of a, a fluke. All right. Drive into the water. But the fact that I even made it to the finals with the way I was hitting it, I mean, I lost balls off the tee, grinding, you know, par and bogeys, like doing whatever you, I had to do. So you must be listening to the par train. <laughs> yeah. I was there's, hoping there's, my opponents weren't, but there, you know. there's going to be a separate episode about Evans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Well, All thank right. you guys again. Thanks, um, guys. Should we give everybody your Instagram handles or whatever you, wherever you want them to follow? <laughs> Joe, yeah, Joe. Um, at underscore Chicago underscore Joe. Mike? Um, I think it's Michael underscore Cermak. <laughs> okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> Loved it. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thank you, boys. All right. <laughs> See you.